Good morning, everyone. Welcome on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, it's almost here, folks. Christmas is just a couple of days away. Uh, tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and uh, I can hardly believe it and hardly wait. I'm kind of like a child on, in anticipation here. Welcome to everyone. We welcome uh, each of you, especially our guests. We're glad that you're here with us and hope that God is going to bless you in a very special way as we share this time together. Let me remind everyone of our, of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to invite you to uh, fill those out and give us whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us. Um, uh, but also know that if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please be sure to put your email address on there uh, so we can put you on that list. <clears throat> um, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me also remind you to go ahead and check in on your, on your smartphone there. Uh, let everybody know that you're here today and worshiping at uh, Community Baptist Church. And a few announcements I'd like to bring to your attention. First of all, tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and I, I can hardly believe it, and it's one of my favorite nights of the year. It, it, well, it is my favorite night of the year. <laughs> I'm still a child at heart, but one reason it's, it's my favorite night of the year is the Christmas Eve service that we have here each year. Uh, we'll be having this tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. It is a wonderful, beautiful service, a meaningful, inspiring service filled with song and inspiration and love and joy and, and worship. So please come and be a part of, of uh, this service tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Invite your friends to come along and we'll share that time together. Um, we will not be having any, uh, any activities on Wednesday. We're going to take the week off, it's, and, and it's been a, a hectic time, so we kind of need a little time of, uh, of rest and relaxation this week. So no activities on Wednesday. However, we will be doing a mission day on Saturday. Uh, two things are going on. We are serving lunch at Salvation Army on Saturday morning, and also we are having a day where we're, we're helping to clean up uh, somebody's yard. Um, front, there's a lot of debris in it, and we need some help. Uh, take, basically hauling that stuff off to the dump and uh, we could use some chainsaws and some strong backs to, to help us do that. So that'll be on Saturday. We'll meet here at the church about 9 o'clock Saturday morning to, to start that. Uh, thank you so much for being a church that um, that does things like that. A church that is filled with, with love and compassion. A church that is concerned about our community and the people in our community uh, who really reaches out in the love of Christ. Speaking of the love of Christ, uh, Christmas time is a time of love. And in the spirit of that, this wondrous time of the year, let's all stand if you're able and let's greet each other with Christmas love and joy. <laughs>
Where you go, Casey? Just make some money. Hey, John, what up? Sing something. Testament, the word joy is nearly always associated with an act of God, and even more specifically with an act of God delivering God's people. The people of Israel found themselves in need of God's deliverance on many occasions. When they were enslaved in Egypt, God set them free. As they traveled to the promised land, God provided for them and protected them from the enemy nations who opposed them. When Israel was carried off into captivity by the Babylonians, again they cried out to God to rescue them, and God delivered them and brought them back to Jerusalem. Each time they were rescued, the Israelites were joyful and rejoiced in God's love for them. But each time they soon forgot God's deliverance and they turned away. In a cold and dirty stable in the small, unimportant town of Bethlehem, God again delivered God's people. But this time, it was not just for a time, not just until the next warring nation came across their border. This time, it was forever, for eternity. God sent God's Son to deliver God's people, not just from the enemies who threatened them, but from their sin that separated them from the Lord. We can imagine the joy on the faces of the shepherds as they made their way to the stable. We can see the joy on the faces of the wise men who traveled great distances to find this new king. And we can feel the radiant joy of Simeon and Anna in the temple as they came face to face with the Savior of the world. God sent God's self to bring us life and never-ending joy. Today, as we celebrate Advent and think of joy, let us not forget. Let us remember to live each day in the knowledge and understanding of what God has done for us. We are delivered. We, how can we not be joyful? Today, we light the candle of joy to remember what God has done for us through God's Son.
I can. Oh, it's on. Okay. Okay. Hi, friends. I'm back. All right. So, does anyone remember the Christmas ornaments that Miss Jamie talked about last week? Okay. Does anyone remember what the white lights on the tree mean? Do any of our adults want to help? Sure. John, John, in the back. Purity, purity, purity. All right. Light of the world. There we go. Felicia knows what's going on. It's light of the world, but purity's a good answer too. Good job, John. All right. So today, our Christmas ornaments tell the um, story of the birth of Jesus. The first one is the manger. Look how cute it is. Does anyone think they know what the manger might mean? Does anyone have a guess? Marley, you have a guess. I know you do. Someone said birth. Do you have another guess, Marley? No. Okay. All right. So the manger symbolizes our heart and soul as we rejoice. The manger reminds us of the humility with which God's son was born in this world. Do you know what humility means? Do any of our adults want to help? See, Pam, do you want to come do children's class? <laughs> Not a bragger. So he wasn't born all fancy. He was born in a manger. Yes, just like that. All right, the next one we have is the angel. That one's pretty, too. Does anyone have a guess on what the angel symbolizes? Yes. Peace and God. That's a good one. Any of our friends up there? They were telling us the news and not to be afraid. Telling us the news not to be afraid. Marley? Happiness. That's a good one. All right. The angel reminds us of the joyous song sung over our coming salvation. You know what that means? It's happiness. The angels came and said, don't be afraid. And we were happy that the Lord came, right? What's that? Okay. All right. And the last one we have is a star. What do you guys think the star symbolizes? Mm. You guys have been out of school too long. Direction? The what? Oh, brightness. That's a good one. Was Nora talking? Direction. Direction. Does anyone else have a guess? For God sent the star of Bethlehem to show the earth his plans for us and his gift to us. So the star led the way to Jesus, right? So that star symbolizes the gift. Does that make sense? Let's pray. And then you guys can go to children's club or church, whatever. (laughs) The Dunhams are on the struggle bus today. I'm so sorry. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather here today to celebrate the birth of your Son, Jesus. We thank you for all the blessings you have poured out upon us, and we ask that you be with us as we go through the Christmas season and help us to care for those who are less fortunate than us during this season. In your name we pray. Amen.
wonderful season where we prepare to celebrate once again the birth of the most wonderful gift that was ever given, we are surrounded by boxes and bags and bright colors. But please help us to remember that the best gifts cannot be contained in those boxes and bags. They're the gifts that your son taught us about. To hold you above all else, to love our neighbors, to be full of compassion and love and forgiving and support for others. Let us remember those gifts as we go forth today and every day, not just at Christmas. Amen.
And the scripture this morning is taken from the book of Luke, first chapter, verses 39 to 55. And in those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord.
Do you know where she gets all of her musical talent? <laughs> no, I'm really asking. Because I have no clue. <laughs> uh, thank you. I think we need to jump into something lighthearted quickly. I, I heard about a guy in Salt Lake City who decided he was going to send 600 Christmas cards to total strangers. So he got addresses from several different cities and sent 600 cards to people that he had never met before and even put his return address on on all of the cards, all all the envelopes. And amazingly, he received 117 responses from total strangers. One lady wrote, It was so good to hear from you. The card arrived the day I got home from the hospital, and I can't tell you what an encouragement it was to hear from an old friend. (laughs) Another person wrote, I have to admit that when we received your card, we had a heart, we, we had to think hard before we remembered who you are. Please give our regards to your father. He is such a wonderful man. But I think the one that really takes the cake was this, this one, this, this, this guy who wrote, It was so good to hear from you after all of these years. By the way, we're going to be in Salt Lake City next summer. Would it be all right if, I spent, if we spent a few days with you? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not such a good idea to send Christmas cards to perfect strangers. But it's a convenient way of, of communicating good wishes and, and, and joy, isn't it? But this reminded me, it made me wonder... How Mary, the mother of Jesus, notified her cousin Elizabeth that she was coming for a visit. I mean, think about that. That wasn't so easy in those days. I mean, after all, Mary lived in Nazareth, and Elizabeth lived in the hill country of Judea, which meant that they were somewhere around 80 to 100 miles apart. And that was a long way in those days. And obviously there were no cell phones. There was no email. There wasn't even snail mail to carry the message. So how did she send word that she was coming? Or did she? Maybe she just surprised them. We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us whether Mary made any preparations for this trip or, or how she traveled. She probably had, had to walk with a, a caravan of other people that were moving, that were uh, going in her direction, which meant that this voyage probably took her around five or six days of hard travel all day, every day, to get to her cousins. But let's listen to Luke as he begins his story. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Those first three words are significant. In order to understand what those words at that time refers to, we we need to know what took place just before this passage. And what we see there is the angel Gabriel instructing Mary that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and that the power of God will overshadow her and that the child whom she will conceive would be called the Son of God. And it was at that time that she began her journey to Elizabeth's. 
So there didn't seem to be much preparation for this journey, did there? But why did she go? Why did she go to see Elizabeth? Well, let's think about that a minute. Let's think about Mary for just a moment. The typical age for a young maiden at that time to be betrothed, to be married, would be somewhere around 13 or 14 years old. And I would imagine that the visitation of this angel and what this angel had to say to her was quite a bit for a 13 or 14 year old girl to take in, don't you think? Or anybody of any age for that matter. And and the fact that she hurried to make this journey, as the scripture says, indicates she, she probably didn't tell Joseph about what the angel had said to her. She was probably in a state of shock herself, in a state of confusion, and, and not knowing really exactly what happened. And so I wonder if she went to see Elizabeth to consult with her older, wiser cousin about how to handle this delicate situation. But of course, Elizabeth was, she had her own interesting situation to deal with. Because you see, at this point in her life, Elizabeth was way past the normal age of having children, and yet she too was carrying a very special child. A child who would later come to be known as John the Baptist. So Mary had this long voyage to get to Elizabeth's house, and she had a lot of time to think as she made this voyage. This voyage. And I just wonder what was going through her mind. What was she thinking as she made her way to Judea? Surely she must have known that, that angels just don't appear to girls every day particularly to tell them that they will will bear God's children by the Holy Spirit. What's happening to her? What does all this mean to her? And so she finally got to Elizabeth's house, and, and it was a wondrous scene as these two cousins greeted one another. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, Luke tells us that the baby in her womb jumped for joy. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the the mother of my Lord should come to me, she said. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill God's promise to her. And then Mary answered with a song of her own. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has been mindful of my humble state. For now on all generations they will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is the name of the Lord. What do you think Mary surely must have been thinking as she made her way to Elizabeth's house? And for for that matter, what was she thinking during all of the events of, of this? 
circumstance that she found herself in. What was she thinking later on when the the shepherds left to go back to their flocks on the night when Jesus was born? I mean, after all, we, we read in Luke 2 that Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. Then later, what do you think she was thinking as she watched her child Jesus grow up? And even more important, what were her thoughts when she saw her son suffer and die for the sins of the world? What were the thoughts that went through Mary's head as the mother of the Messiah? Well, perhaps the first thought that she had was that life was filled with twists and turns. Things weren't shaking out the way that she really expected them to shake out in her life. When that angel came and visited her, it threw her whole life in a turmoil. Mary was not expecting to be visited by an angel that that day. This announcement that she would bear God's Son literally came out of the blue. And that's probably just as well, because how do you prepare for something like that? But from that day on, Mary's life was changed. Right from the very beginning of her life, as a new mother, her life was filled with twists and turns. The story of the pilgrimage to Bethlehem itself is a, is a favorite story that we read each year during this time. And we tend to romanticize it as something beautiful, and it is. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the lineage of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. You know... Mary should have known right from the very beginning that her life would be no picnic. I am sure that there are mothers here who could tell of harrowing experiences surrounding the birth of one or more of your children. I've heard the stories. But let me ask you something, moms. How many of you moms had to spend the last few days of your pregnancy on the back of a donkey? And how many of you moms had to deliver your baby in a barn along with the cows and the sheep and all the stuff that comes with cows and sheep? Mary should have known right from the very beginning that life would not be easy for her or for her family. And this would not be her last journey under difficult circumstances. In Matthew's Gospel, we are told that that Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus were forced to become refugees, fleeing to Egypt to escape a dysfunctional government that threatened the life of her child. 
And once again, Mary and Joseph were on the move, fleeing to protect their son, running to seek refuge in another country, just like so many people do today. After receiving word that there was a plot to kill her son, Mary trudged over the hills on foot, nursing her precious child and leaning on her beloved Joseph for support. And it was not until there was a governmental change that this young family was able to return to their home in Nazareth. In a world that is filled with refugees, it is important for us to understand that our Lord was a refugee too. The next dozen or so years in Mary's life were probably pretty good. There were several other children after Jesus. She and Joseph were never really prosperous, but they were able to make ends meet. Her oldest son, Jesus, was turning into a fine young man, growing in stature and in favor with with God and with others. But then something probably happened to Joseph. We don't know exactly what. Life was pretty uncertain in those days, but all we know is that Joseph is never mentioned again after Jesus' 12th birthday when he was in Jerusalem visiting the temple. So it could be that Mary was left as a, a young widow struggling to survive. And as the oldest, Jesus would have taken Joseph's place in the carpenter's shop and the role that he would fill until he began his ministry at the age of about 30 years old. And of course, Joseph's loss would not be the last one for Mary. You see, she endured the most grievous blow that any mother could ever suffer. She watched her son die as a common criminal on a cross. And can you imagine the pain that she must have experienced as she watched that unmerciful death? But even then, Jesus was thinking of her because John tells us that Mary stood near the cross with others and and Jesus saw His mother standing there and the disciple whom Jesus loved. And He said to her, Woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time on, John took her into his home. He took care of her. Life indeed took some strange twists and turns for this young girl. Just like it does for many of us. Many of us may be having a hard time coping with life precisely because we think life ought to be easy for us. Guess what? It's not. Never guaranteed that. And when it's not, some of us can't cope. We have a hard time coping with that. And yet, in the providence of God, sometimes we discover that we have our most reliable times of growth precisely when life is hard. So life does have some strange twists and turns, but some of those difficult times provide an opportunity for us to grow. So maybe Mary wondered about those twists and turns as she wandered towards 
Elizabeth's house. But maybe she also wondered about God's faithfulness to always keep God's promises. Notice how Mary responds to her situation in our lesson from Luke. First of all, she's overwhelmed. She's overwhelmed that the God of all creation could have chosen her, of all people, for this high honor of bearing God's Son. Who was she that God would choose her? In her words, God was mindful of my humble state. In Mary's mind, it was only a a kind and gracious God who would pass over all of the wealthy and powerful people in the world to choose a simple peasant girl to bear God's Son. Now, you and I don't fall into God's plan in quite the same way that Mary did, but, but I think we can probably, each of us probably knows what, it, what it's like to be humbled by God's concern for us. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve that kind of care. I mean, after all, who are we? That God, who created all of the universe, should be concerned with us. And yet we teach our children to bow their heads and to pray, God is great and God is good. And God is good, isn't God? Not only because God chose this lowly maiden of Nazareth, and not only because God is aware of our needs, but also because God keeps God's promises. And that's a major part of this great miracle. You see, the coming of the Messiah was a promise that God made long before this. And God kept this promise. But there may be one other thing that Mary pondered in her heart as she made her way to Elizabeth's house. And that was the love that she felt in her heart. The love for her unborn son. The love for her cousin Elizabeth. And the the love that she had for the God who selected her for this special assignment. Mary's story is the oldest and most intimate story of all. It is a story that has been duplicated billions of times throughout history. It's a story of a mother's love for her child. And even when he was a grown man with a ministry that she could just barely understand, he was first and foremost her boy, her son. But let me tell you something, folks. Mary's love for Jesus is a pale reflection of God's love for us. And that's why there is a star that shines above the Christmas tree. It's a star of hope. It's a star of peace. But most surely of all, it is a star of love. That's what this season is all about, love. Love came down at Christmas, and it certainly did, didn't it? As this baby taught us how to love one another. 
It's a beautiful story. It appeared in the Denver Post years ago, and it seems that just a few weeks before Christmas, a pastor talked to the congregation, told his congregation about a needy family who was facing a bleak time at Christmas. And so one young father decided to do something about it. He and his son set out in their pickup truck to cut down a fresh evergreen and to to take it and deliver it to this family. But on their way to do that, they ran into a rock slide and, and a boulder crashed into the truck. The windshield was smashed and the young boy was, was cut. And they tried to wave down a passing motorist, but nobody would stop. And then finally, after over 200 cars had whipped by, one young couple stopped. The couple in the car took care of the the little boy and bandaged him up and cleaned his wounds. They gave them a ride back home, and then they went on their way. And they never got the names of these two ministering angels. But then about a week later on Christmas Eve, with a new truck and the boy's injuries on the mend, pastor asked this man, the same man, if he would deliver the, a basket of food and some toys to, to this family that they tried to a week or two before. He was glad to do so, and so they loaded up the truck. They drove to the address that they were given and rang the doorbell. And who do you suppose came to the door but that humble couple who had stopped to help him on the highway just the week before? Now, life doesn't always work out so neatly, does it? We all know that. But I hope we also know that Christmas is about love. It's about sharing love with one another. It is about learning the lesson of love that Christ came to teach to us. And I don't know what kind of a holiday season this has been for you. I hope it's been a good one, but maybe it hasn't. And if that's the case, then please remember these lessons from Mary's experience. Life takes some strange twists and turns. But we can grow strong as we face our difficulties in the Spirit of God. God is faithful to fulfill God's promises. And one of the promises that God makes to you today is this. God loves you. God will never forsake you. And that's why we sing about Emmanuel at this time of the year. God is with us. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn. Number 139. Infant holy and infant lowly. Christ the babe is Lord of all. Let these words sink in. That the birth of Christ was not some majestic thing in in a beautiful palace. It happened in a barn. Infant. Lowly but also infant holy as God came as Christ came to show the love of God to us
from this place of worship knowing that like Mary, you also are blessed by the Lord. May Christ, whose presence is among us today, go with each of you into your homes and community, into your work and play, into your times of great celebration, and into your times of overwhelming grief. May God surround you in every circumstance of your life until you can say with confidence and boldness, wherever you are, surely the Lord is in this place. Go in the peace of our Lord and Savior. Amen.